This is Shift Run Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. We've got Kim Plowright with us today. Hello, Kim. Hello, Rue. How are you? I'm all right. Are you sure? No. <laughs> There's a man pointing a recorder at me. This makes me nervous. Oh, he's very friendly. <laughs> Kim's the queen of all things digital and, and creative and make of things. You've been involved in an awful lot of web projects, uh, both sort of producing them and also managing them over the years. Yeah, I guess so. So um, when Layla and I were talking about this, it was like uh, I was describing myself as like an internet zelig in that I'm kind of always there in the background for loads of stuff, just by chance. So I did years and years at the BBC on uh, such popular internet properties as the Cult website and Doctor Who back in the day before it was trendy again. And then I've kind of moved on to doing sort of... I did a bit of product management at Moo.com, so I was involved in all of the, like, the little mini card stuff and stickers. Any job with stickers got to be a good job. And then since then I've been mainly doing sort of gamey sort of Channel 4E projects for various indies around the place. And you so, worked with Six to Start for a while? Worked with Six to Start for a while, yeah. You see what I mean? It's just basically, it's like I've gone down and said, what do I, I shall box tick my CV? Yes, there we go. Look, I am an internet twat. Look at me, I'm a Nathan <laughs> Barley. There we go. Well, this is the thing you see. Hypercard is a thing for making stuff for idiots like me that don't programme. <laughs> Suddenly it was this amazing thing where without needing to know a language or something, I could make a computer do something. I don't think I ever did anything other than draw stupid cartoons of exploding elephants on it, but, you know. Adam, uh, Adam Tandy was telling when he came on, um, Armando's producer, we should say, he, he came on in uh, sort of the first episode, wasn't it? Adam? Yeah, it was. And, uh, and he's, I don't know if he said it on the episode, but he's talked to me quite a lot about Hypercar, and he's really, <laughs> he's really into it. And I was like, come on, this is, let me move on, it's, it's fast. But he's, uh, yeah, he was saying about this game called um, manhole, if you remember this, and it's like really psychedelic and like um, uh, something Malice in Wonderland, and you go down a hole and then you have this like weird experience, and you have to go down like, like, on a boat, and there's like an elephant on the boat or something, and, and there's some amazing graphics for it, but it's all done in hypercars, so it's sort of like a, I suppose hyperlinked text adventure with pictures or something. I always remember hypercard being a bit, you know, those of us who did computer science degree <laughs> would sort of saw it as something a little bit beneath us. You know, mm. it was, oh my goodness, that's not a real thing. <laughs> but actually, it allowed you to explore some of the ideas that the web now kind of, you know, fleshes out. Mm. And it, was, it probably was quite ahead of its time, really, in terms of, you know, hyperlinking and bringing that to the masses. I think so. It's like a kind of proto-director, I guess. Because that's sort of where all of that you know, oh, let's make interactive CD-ROM stuff sort of vanished as let's well. Let's make a Philips CDI. Which is now all kind of coming back. It's like, oh, let's do broadband games and, like, in Flash. And it's just, hang on, we've just made a CD-ROM, haven't we? Shit. <laughs> let's do branching narrative Shit. video. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering about your history of gaming from childhood and um, what sort of things... What, what was your experience with, like, the, the 8-bit days? Oh, God. <laughs> well, I was... Uh, um, uh, the first computer that we had at home was a ZX81. Right. So it was totally, it was all about the 3D monster maze. Uh, um, and Frogger as well. Yeah. I was obsessed with Frogger. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I really clearly remember sort of the first time I understood that there was this thing called computer games. And we mm. were on, like, a, a family holiday to Swansea. And I must have been about seven because it was a very cheap family holiday to Swansea. We were staying in Swansea University student accommodation, mm. um, which, you know, they hired out to cheapskate holidaymakers in the, over the summer. 
and so there was like the student union and it had um you know a couple of um console machines um i think probably centipede and probably space invaders possibly even galaxians you know, it might have been one step you know that right. kind of the second generation of console and just standing there completely entranced mm-hmm. not allowed to put any money in them mind just allowed to watch them <laughs> which I th- might explain a lot of my attitude towards games which is oh, I can't be bothered mostly <laughs> so yeah was suddenly aware that there were these amazing things that sat in corners and went beep in a really exciting fashion and then you'd come home to your black and white ZX81 with the really hard to press keys mm. <laughs> and try and play Frogger try and get excited but then yeah BBC was the next thing in the house so um, endless amounts of Repton yeah. And we were just discussing the other day Frack, which was the kind of platformer with the um, uh, caveman and the kind of weird furry pink things that had this particularly obscene hack mod, <laughs> uh, which involved the, the yo-yos being replaced by penises on something very, very predictably smutty like that. And again, it's one of those things that you see when you're nine and are like, cut. <laughs> It has penises. <laughs> it's really rude. <laughs> so yeah, like most of my um, most of my game exposure was um, five and a quarter inch floppies pirated from <laughs> a mate's older brother. Wow, um, floppies though—that's oh, that's quite, quite and advanced. proper floppies yeah, as well. Yeah, five and know. a quarter—that's a real size for a disc. Yeah, <laughs> we've even got, we even have a couple of Winchesters kicking around somewhere. Wow. My my dad's shed is just like a great computer graveyard, and then because he was sort of involved in um, uh, teaching science to kids, so he'd mm-hmm. go out to like local primary schools and um, teach kids to solder and mm-hmm. you know do experiments, experimenting on children. Um, so he was very much. We'd always have whatever um, large British computer company had managed to mm-hmm. kind of corner the market in the kind of department of educations these are the computers we shall put in schools kind of mm-hmm. thing so we went from bbc's to acorn um archimedes mm-hmm. which were you know lovely machines but frankly they were a little ecosystem all of their own weren't they <laughs> they were purely built to go into schools and teach kids about computers it worked so, though, didn't it yeah do you but remember yeah, the game perfection for those yeah, archies as we call them <laughs> Um, Layla and I both have very fond memories of a game in which you learnt how to use Prestel. It was like an adventure game. You had to find clues, and and I don't remember anything all... of the plot apart from using Prestel. It was all about being a travel agent. It, it was. It was. It was. It really <laughs> wasn't. That's, I think it's a subplot. I remember, like, a different one. Then. You think there was a sub- well, there was something with the plane taking off. And uh, you, you had to type in all the t- the plane times and. Oh, but I think you were. Um, you were having to book a flight in order to proceed with the story. I think, like, you woke up in a room, you had to do some things. Oh, yeah, yeah, OK. Yeah. Remember? Yes. So yes, it's, it's part of the right. bigger... But I think the Prestel stuff happened quite early I in the game. I want to get that game. If yeah. any listeners Does anyone know, know what it was called? How can we get that game? I kind of ended up doing this really weird job in... There was a department of the BBC that was called BBC Interactive Drama and Entertainment that was essentially the bit of the BBC that did the websites for things like Buffy and EastEnders and you know the, the sort of programme support sites. But it had this ambition to do really extraordinary sort of groundbreaking stuff. So there's this sort of legendary thing that was called The Block 
that was in development for like four years and it was a digital thing and there'd be it was like set in a tower block and there would be a different story in each room in the tower block and you could like navigate through the virtual space and it was crazy it was the most extraordinary project it never got made never really got commissioned but was like this sort of talismanic no this is the future of media thing that was sort of rattling around the whole time and purely online didn't have like a tv element wasn't a, a tie-in with a broadcast i or? can't remember i think it might have because i think it might have been in the very early days of bbc3 i think it might have been pitched as a kind of um proto sort of bbc3 interactive mm. tie-in but there was this really sort of strong feeling within this department that you know there should be something more there should be something extraordinary that's like halfway between telly and the internet and it's an interactive story and this is the future char 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 um sounds quite similar to so where we are we, in yeah exactly and it is it's very odd every so often i kind of dip back into this and i'm just like wow these are the same arguments and i still don't really have any better solutions than i had back then I'm just a bit less enthusiastic about trying to push it through to a conclusion now because I've seen it all before I also got these um, Overmaltine Overmaltine which is probably easier to say in French um, and it says it's 15% barley malt which is presumably sort of healthful to the French um, and it's enriched with six vitamins six uh, and it contains four minerals as well. It doesn't say which ones, <laughs> so I'm hoping they're um, digestible ones. And um, and you can see they're sort of about the size of a uh, I don't know five four three two one bar perhaps, or, or a breakaway. Breakaway. Quite, quite a thick breakaway, right? Oh, yeah, okay. Like a blue ribboned bar. Exactly. <laughs> it's the size of a blue ribbon. They have that sort of um, 80s chocolate bar look about them, don't they? And we've, and we've got. Uh, is this one each, Layla, or like are you, um, are you, are you saving these you, for some other no, sort no, of like? No, no, go for it. They're really nice, so I, I recommend them oh. um, having as much as you want. Mmm. That's peculiar. <laughs> it's a cross between an Oreo mm. in large biscuit form yes. and that weird oasis thing that you put <laughs> <laughs> that you put plants in. This, that's a reference to the, uh, the red crunchy. The, 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 the violet crumble from, uh, from Australia, I think that was. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's a brilliant description, really. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it does dry your mouth out somewhat, doesn't it? I like them, though. Bloody hell. Just it's very densely compressed powder. It's, I mean, you it's know. what they've done. They've got some Ovaltine, mix it with chocolate, and kind of run a steamroller over it until it's compressed into a, a, a cake bar. <laughs> and then when you put it in your mouth, it absorbs all of the saliva. Mm. And it's got, a, it's got a really malty taste. I mean, normally... And I've dipped in tea, by the way. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I, can, I can imagine them sucking up a, like a, a reasonable-sized mug of tea. And presumably, if you find yourself in the wilds, can you grind them up and make it and make an Ovaltine? An Ovaltine drink? Mmm. Crush them up and mix them with hot milk. I don't see why not. Oh, that would be great. Well, that's a, that's a good find, I think. Mmm. Good find. Ovaltine. Well worth looking out for. Mmm. <clears throat> Don't underestimate the Ovo Malta. Never mind. That's on. What has what has the UK's chocolate industry, chocolate and dairy industry, been able been able to to offer in the interim? Now, depending when this goes out, you've probably already seen that the the, uh, the, t- the TV ads alerting children and adults alike to the Nestle's new milky bar. Raisin and biscuits. Oh, this, this is unusual for uh, Milky Bar, isn't it? <laughs> it a is. new innovation in white chocolate. And what they've done with the bar is just basically, as you can see, put some raisin. Have you tried the bar yet, uh, uh, Layla? Or are you just no. done? 
a fan of the ads. Look, you, you, can, you can see you can see their ghostly shapes. Oh, within, within. <laughs> it's really well advertised. <laughs> you can see the raisins God, tucked inside like, the white chocolate. It looks like some sort of insects have been trapped in there during, mm. during manufacture. And to be honest, they may as well have been insects trapped in there for all. <laughs> yeah, I think Milky Bars are so sweet already. Mm-hmm. You don't really register the difference in sweetness. I think it's the texture thing, though. Yeah. Because Milky Bar, I find, quite um, monotonous. Mm-hmm. Whereas you mix it up with a bit of biscuit and raisin. Mm-hmm. Now I could eat a lot more of this, I think. Mm. I do like biscuit in a white, in a white chocolate. Mm-hmm. I don't know about um, the raisin thing. But is it, is it enough to lift the Milky Bar out of this sort of ghetto of, of child's treat to, um, into, into this air of adult sophistication? And, and plus, they're charging upwards of, I don't know, between 55 and 69 pence, I believe, for that in a corner store. This is um, a sort of a dairy milk sort of scale of Milky Bar, though. The Milky Bars I remember as a child were, like, paper thin, thin <laughs> yeah, and, about, and about a foot long. Something you may not know about Kim is that these two or me. Uh, is that they were at school together. Yeah. How did that I don't come about? Think we, I don't think we really remember each other. Did you uh, date? I think we know that we were sort of definitely there at the same time. I don't think we met. Yeah. And obviously, and the way the way I well, always <laughs> very very few schools sort of uh, encourage friendships between boys in the sixth form and girls who are twelve. <laughs> no, funny that really isn't that's, it? That, 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 that's that's a rare gang that that, that, span, yeah. that spans those uh, those social groupings. Dave has a tendency to release um, fanzine media with three letter acronyms as its title. Ah. So before before NTK there was APM which was Amateur Parapsychologist Monthly which was uh, this like kind of five photocopied sheet like fanzine that was distributed at my school and you were the you were the ringleaders behind it and it was very much like you know you were caught with one you were in trouble because it was was... it was proper underground sedition and I think it was like 15p to cover the photocopying costs and it would literally you know like when you're like 11 and it's being done by the sixth form so you know you get one copy and it's passed around everybody secretly between lockers and stuff like that it's like this amazing thing so yeah that's kind of how I originally knew Dave what sort of content was in APM? Really, really rubbish jokes. Mainly. <laughs> oh, so much has changed. There's <laughs> night review segment. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. The only thing I definitely remember about it was that one issue, kind of all lovingly written in biro and then photocopied, oh. said, you know, page three, Marilyn Monroe nude, and it was actually kind of like a really crude drawing of a skeleton wearing a wig. Guitar, yeah, that like uh, that, that, I, I'm, I'm glad you're. Copies, I'm you glad you're remember that. that, that I, I have some copies. <laughs> you should definitely put them on Flickr. You still make it, Dave. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Still yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, like, it, I mean, you know, there are other. There are other. There are other stories. There are other stories to 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 be told about this. Uh, yeah, like many 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 interesting aspects some of, it, some of it was actually typed I had, I had access to a typewriter okay. so I'd type it but I couldn't fit all the words on the line so we had to write them in with biro on the end <laughs> and in that era we were obsessed with Ghostbusters I don't know if that came across that was the kind of like formative influence on our teenage years so it was an attempt 
<laughs> the reason it was called Amateur Parapsychologist Monthly was that it was an attempt to uh, in- enable people to in- embark on a career of homemade go- ghost busting. Combi- like it, like it, inexplicably combined with a sort of satirical school magazine, and fanzines were big at the time. In my defence, so uh, occasionally I tried to like swap them with copies of. Um, of sniffing glue or whatever. What was the Stephen Wells one called? Uh, uh, the the James Bra- the one that James Brown did before he worked at Loaded. And so so mm. so occasionally I get copies of those, which are always great. You do swapsies. Yeah, and then I send them back this thing from uh, about about paranormal events at a minor public school in Kent. Who else is uh, is entering the, um, the, uh, the the white chocolate arena? But Cadbury with their. No. Have you seen this one? Surely not. No, uh, and like, and uh, it's called Spots versus Stripes in the TV ads. So there's some spotty fish and some stripy fish, and they fight it out. How do we know which one we are? <laughs> well, because when you open the chocolate up, mm. I'll see if I can like um, demonstrate this for you. So, and again, in, a, in, a, in another sort of token nod to portion control, the idea seems to be that one of you is spots, one of you is stripes, and the two of you, um, the, the two consumers, compete uh, in, in order to consume the middle chunk somehow. And I, <laughs> and he, J- J- James Wallace has been blogging about this for like for literally weeks, and I still don't completely understand the concept. But like, so there's a game on so the inside. A, oh, a game. oh, it's a chocolate bar game in oh. which the chocolate bar maybe uh, can, uh, constitutes both the playing pieces and the prize. Well, possibly, but not in this case. Oh, so here we go. Waste paper basketball. Roll your wrapper up into three balls. Throw them in a bin. Mm. Whoever gets the most of them in the bin gets to eat the middle That's bit. Probably you can't three hundred calories. <laughs> you can't roll up one little uh, chocolate bar wrapper into three separate balls. Well, there's you a very good do, point. Do, do, I mean, do you want to try the chocolate? Yes. Or, okay, well, absolutely. Well, choose, choose, choose your team wisely. Right, oh, well, I'll be, I'll be stripes then. It looks a bit like an animal. Remember animal bars mm. that were like, but much thicker. Much thicker and crossed with top deck. Like an animal bar chunky. It's a layer of. White chocolate. <laughs> with proper Cadbury's dairy milk, um, like... Um, I like it. Always hard to go wrong with Cadbury's dairy milk. <laughs> this is a very hard wrapper to tear into you're three gonna, pieces. You're going to struggle to get three balls out of it. Plus, plus, it, plus, it, plus it ruins the instructions. That's <laughs> 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 no, Tear it long ways, because right. that, that, that's where the sort of little bits are. Right. Right, so we get one, is, one ball each, then. This is not difficult. Well, are you going to try it from there? In that bit? Oh, Layla's got the, an advantage here. <laughs> yes. oh, oh, I failed. Well, that's that's quite fun, I suppose. Oh, the fun. And then the... the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've basically thrown the wrapper away. Isn't it a bit like a reverse Kinder Egg? Well, and because, because the toy's on the outside. The toy's on the outside. When and where did you come across Hungover Owls? It was just one of those things that, like, I, the first thing I do in the morning, because I'm an arse, is wake up and check Twitter, mm. pick up whatever device I've left lying nearest at hand where I collapsed in last night. So it would have been like a day or two ago you would have seen a, 
a, a retweet? No, I think it was. I think I think my first hungover owls were this morning. Oh, this morning. Yeah. Oh, you're behind I think the I'm curve. Quite, but I know that I'm getting old. Blimey. I'm old and well, slow. When did you start? Well, I don't know, but I I saw it two days ago. So you know, in me world, it. I wish <laughs> I did. It's brilliant. Front line of this kind of thing. And for for listeners' benefit, uh, we're two or three weeks behind you yeah. in the real time space continuum. Uh, so we're not hopelessly, hopelessly out of date. Yeah, I know. We know that owls are just so over now. So hungover. So over. So, so over. Hungover. Nobody's interested in owls now. Why, why don't you just last, say though? you recorded this three days before they actually became cool? I like. I mean, oh. to be honest, and for the, for the <laughs> now, now I'm really building my part up. But what what goes on in it? Oh, I see. In the hungover owls, for people, <laughs> for people, for people <laughs> for whom this is lost in kind of mimetic history now. or forgotten already. Uh, well, Hungover Owls is uh, a site in which people post pictures, or the site owner, I don't know even who it is, uh, puts up photos of owls with funny captions as though the owl is hungover. And the photos are quite well the chosen. The photos look like they are a bit hungover. They've got their head under their wing, or their eyes are quite closed. It's this week's yeah. lolcats, really. Mm. Uh, but n- seemingly not from the uh, Lol Can Has Cheeseburger Corporation or whatever they're <laughs> called. That network is big. They've got a lot they're of sites huge, under their belt. Yeah. Really terrifying. But I don't think Hungover Owls is one of their stable. No. Are owls the new um, cats? They might be. I think they could be. Lolcats, five, rising, later. Techno Viking, falling, four. Prison Thriller, seven. Oh, really, owls? Hungover later. <laughs> I'm always the person, like, if we're doing stuff that, like, oh, we need you guys to ring up and there's, like, an answer phone message, I always end up being the person that has to pretend to be, like, the Vodafone voice. <laughs> like, um, you have four new messages. Press seven. It's particularly good. <laughs> um, or the other one, we, we did, uh, with Six to Start, we did this thing for the band Muse. Part of it was dropping these little MP3 files that had... Um, just really, really simple. Like, they were GPS coordinates, basically. But we made them sound like um, numbers, recordings of numbers stations. <laughs> so there I was at like two in the morning one night, sitting in my little study, kind of in my back room in my house, going, four, two, two, three, eight, delta, five, one, hotel, three, nine, point. This was found by my fellow food uh, blogger, um, foodstufffinds.co.uk, and uh, it's not, as you might initially assume, a block of pate. Seems to be available in most Asda's. It's it's Asda's (laughs) ultimate chocolate cheese, Wesley Tail. With Belgian cheese. Belgian chocolate, sure. Is it, is it? Oh, sorry, yeah. With, but, we, we, yeah. Um, I'm it gonna... does look like cheese, but it looks sort of like beige cheese with dark brown chocolatey lumps in it. Uh, how does one go about preparing chocolate cheese for... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a slightly more optimal way it have, than hacking it into it <laughs> with a pen knife. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to try and get this open. Uh, yeah, so the, the, this, the, this, uh, this one's quite well travelled. Oh, it looks horrendous. Gonna, I think it's it looks like dog food. I'm worried about the mould on the other end. Hey, the, 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 the <laughs> don't, don't give me that bit. Alright, I was going to cut that bit off. Look, there we go. Look, it's there as well. Yeah. Oh, well, cheese with chocolate and it's bound to get more anyway. mould than normal. Oh, God. <laughs> it, 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 it smells very... It has a kind of, has a kind of cake aroma to it, doesn't it? <laughs> Has this been, uh, when you say well travelled? 
Oh no, it just smells awful. <laughs> I'll leave it to you. <laughs> Is it making you ill? Oh my word. I can't, I can't even eat it. That's not going on my toast. Taste is struggling. It's, it's oh, it's neither sweet nor savoury. It's both. <laughs> yeah, it's it's oh, it's a bit difficult to pin down. Um, <laughs> oh, each mouthful's a, a journey, <laughs> but not to any way good. Even worse than duck's tongues. Really, mm. bad. <laughs> Don't go to speak anymore. I quite like it. Oh. Well, you can sit here quietly and eat mm, that. One. We maybe I will. That's some. Well, thanks for oh. thanks for bringing it, Dave. But um, it, um, it's not getting a ringing endorsement. Well, I'm uh, like if if, oh. if 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 you want to try the ultimate cheese chocolate experience, as does the place to go. Um, oh, it's, it's no, you just oh, it's, it's just wrong. it's just cheese with chocolate in it. What's wrong with that? It's off. I think it's off. I'm in computers. I'm in the mainframe. I'm in your headphones. I uh, had to rub Vaseline on my chickens. <laughs> I thought I was going to say that about that. I'll try that again in a second. I rubbed Vaseline on my chickens over the weekend because they've been pecking each other very persistently. So apparently a good way of dealing with it is to rub Vic or Vaseline on their feathers and then it puts them off. They, it breaks the habit. Uh, and it seems to be working. They can't get a good grip on each other's feathers now because they're just sliding off on the Vaseline. It's great to watch. <laughs> Chickens. <laughs> but on the, on the well, feathers. They just kind of, oh, they kind of accumulated loads of stuff there. <laughs> it, it makes the dirt <laughs> stick to them. Yeah. <laughs> they're learning to clean themselves instead of pulling their feathers out. They're wow. actually cleaning the stuff off of their feathers. It's good. And then clean them, and then yeah. pulling them out. Well, yeah. So you now have waterproof chickens. <laughs> so you could actually make your chickens swim and they wouldn't sink slowly. I, I've got a feeling they wouldn't have sunk anyway. No, they do. Do they? Yeah, chickens don't have um, enough oil on their feathers oh, to be able really? to swim, so they slowly get waterlogged. Mm. So they get, you can slowly see their little heads. I didn't know that. My uh, grandfather used to work at Shell, mm. and they had a promotional video for one of their detergents. Um, and the way they showed off how very strong and powerful this detergent was was they had a duck in a pond and they sprayed some detergent near the duck and it broke the surface tension of the water and it prevented the oil on, on its feathers. Um, <laughs> and the duck sunk. <laughs> and the duck sank. <laughs> Our soap is so good it sinks ducks. It's That's just brilliant. a thing to add to <laughs> some really ducks. <laughs> so, um... Oh, that, this, there should be a whole. Uh, th- this is surely a Tumblr blog. This is surely tomorrow's meme. Forget the owls; they're over. It's a kind of like inappropriate use of animals. In there was a company that were trying to persuade people that vacuum cleaners were really, really hygienic and helped, like, not spread. Um, oh, not consumption. Like TB was my a asthma. really big thing. Yeah. Well, no, it was a little bit after my asthma, dear. That was the Victorians. Come along. And they were like, uh, oh, you know, we exposed uh, guinea pigs, like half of them, we just gave them TB. <laughs> 300 of these guinea pigs died, but these guinea pigs over here were fine because we vacuum cleaned them. Wow. <laughs> like, what? Why did you need so many guinea pigs? Surely maybe four would have been a good sample of <laughs> that. You do a point. scientific study. You can't just use four guinea pigs. Ben Goldacre would be on your case tomorrow. <laughs> Where did they get them from? Where did you get 600 guinea pigs from? <laughs> 
change of noise. <laughs> <laughs> the noise of 600 guinea pigs and a vacuum cleaner. Well, I'm imagining the sound of 300 guinea pigs dying of TB. Alright, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so lovely to finally speak to you rather than just sort of (laughs) drifting past you like a ship in the night. (laughs) Thank you for having me, it's been lovely. That was Shift Run Stop, available on iTunes or from the website shiftrunstop.co.uk. I'm in computers.